Welcome to Wine For Me podcast, where I chat to anyone that can give you and me insight into the South African wine industry. Please enjoy. Today, I chat to Rudy Schultz, winemaker since 2000 at Thelema Mountain Vineyards, just outside Stellenbosch on the Halswuchte Pass. Rudy is, among things, a keen surfer, and he also produces his own Rudy Schultz wine label. Rudy, tell us, where did your love for winemaking start? Okay, this um, happened a good few years ago. Um, I think when I finished my national service, I didn't have much of a clue what I was going to do. And um, I ended up doing a couple of months at Simonsuch, um, working in the winery with my brother Carl, who was at that time an assistant winemaker there. And um, yeah, I spent about three months in and out of the laboratory um, in the winery itself. Thought it's a good idea, and um, that kind of steered me into looking to go into Elsenburg. I enrolled in '91, and I finished '93. Okay. Class of '93, and then finishing finishing the three years of study, I thought um, it was a long time to study for me. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I took a. A bit of a gap year in that. So, what did you do in the gap year? Well, 93, obviously, I finished. Um, 94, I briefly snuck into Rustenburg, where Etienne Larish was still the winemaker, and myself okay. and Ben Radford, the, um, who's now back in Australia making wine for um, Rockford and a couple of other small wineries, um, we did the harvest with Etienne. And then mm-hmm. I hopped on a ship, uh, a yacht. A friend of mine was taking okay. a a big 60-foot aluminium catch to, ultimately we were meant to go to Fort Lauderdale to do some charter work, but um, it didn't quite end up like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but you did go overseas, did you make wine overseas? Yes, um, I've been overseas twice since that yachting experience. I was in 95, I um, went to California and I worked at a winery in those days, was only making Chardonnay, they were kind of leaders in the Chardonnay Gam, um, Sonoma Kutra. Oh, I've had those. They're delicious. Yeah. So I spent a good few months there, and um, it was a kind of a, it was almost a big changing um, pivotal point. I got offered a permanent job, mm-hmm. but decided, no, I'd rather head back to South Africa. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, to date, Sonoma Kutra has been sold on to a bigger corporation, and I think they're making Pinot and a lot of other wines as well. And then in 2002, whilst I was at Thelema, um, I got the opportunity to work in the Southern Rhone at a biggish producer or a Chateau Genie, um, which is in the Southern Rhone, um, just south of Orange, basically Shiraz and Grenache. Okay. But a claret blanche. And I spent about a month and a half there. Did you learn a lot of things that you still use today at, at those specific places? Well, I think, I think what I learned from the French experience was to keep it it's very simple. Okay. Yeah. And that that's kind of something I've just stuck to doing. You know, the more you get involved, the more, I wouldn't say scientific, but the more not intrusive you get into the winemaking mm-hmm. process, the bigger the chances things go wrong mm-hmm. and you upset balance. And you said you also worked with Shiraz there. Um, is that where your love for Shiraz started? Because I know you're a good Shiraz producer. The Southern Rhone is obviously flooded with Shiraz and so yeah, that was, but, but a different style of Shiraz is what we used to in South Africa. Yeah. The, um, the fruit's quite light um, and it's not very extracted. So you've okay. got these you know, very elegant, light kind of Shiraz styled wines. Mm. Yeah, and then I've, uh, in my travels to the US, I, I also come across some of the more, I would say, kind of in brackets, first growth um, Shiraz producers from around the world. 
All right, and now you work for Giles Webb at Thelema. Um, the quality of Thelema has been very consistent over the years. What would you say is the contributing factors that make such great wine at Thelema? Uh, I think it starts off with the sound um, winemaking, but it's also it's, it's keeping it simple. Um, you know, the trick is always uh, getting having good vineyards, uh, managing those vineyards really well, understanding your sites. And then the making of the wine is, is actually gets quite easy then. But it's getting to know your vineyards. I mean, Lima's got 30-odd years of very intensive viticultural record-keeping. We know every single block really well. We know what's going on in the soil, the roots, everything. So that, that makes it a lot easier. Okay. And then you just finished the 2019 harvest. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about this harvest? Yeah, very, very unusual. Um, I think the last few years of... Um, unannounced drought, or in the Western Cape at least, has, mm. has caught up with us. And mm. I think we, we had a vintage where all the vines were, were really battling. It, it, one or two varietals were a little bit confused. I mean, I picked some Cabernet before I picked Chardonnay. Okay. Um, oh. But there was only one specific vineyard, which we, we expected there to be a bit of a problem. Uh, the yields were similar, uh, but we, we have lower alcohols, definitely. Okay. Um, would you say that's a good thing, maybe, uh, or not? Well, it's not, I think it's not a bad thing, but I think mm. um, the vineyards are really starting to talk to us. Um, I think it's a case of you know, soil moisture possibly not there mm. due to the droughts and, and the whole process and the metabolism of the vine being semi-hand-braked, kind of and um, mm. hence we're not, getting the, we're not getting the levels of ripeness we've had in the past. Mm. But, uh, but still very elegant wines, um, beautiful white wines. The Chardonnays are looking fantastic. Okay. From um, Talima and from Sutherlander Algon Farm. And um, yeah, the Pinot Noirs are looking good. Still early days for a lot of the reds, and we're just finishing Malolactic. And we are busy racking the wines uh, out of barrel, soldering up back to barrel. Okay. So it's looking good. I'll probably purchase some in the future. Um, now, what would you say is your number one rule in winemaking? Oh, that comes back to almost a previous point. It's knowing your vineyards, keeping it simple in the winery. You know, there's, there's, there's a place for experimentation, but it's you've got to know your kind of core business mm. and what you're doing in the binary before you start experimenting. Experimentation and, and innovation is, is a small percentage of, I think, of the final product. It's fine-tuning, really. Okay, yeah. And then varietals. Do you prefer to work with some varietals more than others? You know, you, yes. In a way, you the stock standard kind of, you know, harvest is... is a, Ultimately, I mean, a lot of people won't, don't want to hear it, but it is a cyclic event. Mm. Uh, you know, we, we go through the same thing year mm. after year. Your biggest variable is your vintage, um, your, what nature throws at you. Mm-hmm. So your vagaries of, of, of climate and, and everything else. But um, I think the more challenging the variety, the more you end up enjoying working with it. So you know, things like Pinot Noir and more recently Grenache. Grenache is, is a kind of a... Not a well understood animal. Um, tends to give you table grape sized berries, and it can rot very easily. And uh, but it's the, it's a trick of managing in the vineyards, picking it at the right time, mm-hmm. uh, not over extracting because that's very easy to do. It the sounds more you, difficult to me than, <laughs> but you well, like a challenge, well, I guess. Exactly. I mean, there's some varieties <laughs> that it's you know you go through the motions almost, and you sure. uh, you make the wine. But as you go on in your career, I think the the tricky varieties become the ones you kind of look forward to working with. Okay, well, that makes sense because then it keeps things uh, exciting interesting. and interesting. Yeah, and then um, 
Like everybody has sort of this wine epiphany, this moment. Um, what is your memorable wine moment, would you say? It probably was in California. When I, it's a little bit embarrassing. I don't even recall the, the exact producer's name. Mm-hmm. But um, Sonoma Kutra, in those days, used to host the Croquet World Championships. Okay. And bef- the, the night before the, the event started, they had a very big charity auction. And top producers from all California and around the world would donate um, little batches of wine. And I was involved as a student um, with students from around the world. We were involved in setting up the auction, cataloging, mm-hmm. you know, getting it all set up. And at the end of the auction, big thunderstorm, and we were, it was a big rush to pack away lots. There were some unsold lots. And myself and, and an Australian, young Australian winemaker, we were tasked with cleaning up. And there was, right at the end of the evening, there was a um, case of Gavry Chambertin. Oh, okay. Um, and it was an old, it was literally from the 70s, I think. Oh, my God. I don't know if it was a good vintage or anything like that. I can't remember. <laughs> but um, this cardboard box had collapsed and was in the rain. It was just a mess. So we pretty much grabbed all the bottles and ran off. And, um, you know, everybody packed up and left. So we just toyed these bottles back to the house with us. Okay. And um, in the next few days, we kind of tried it out. And they were really, really interesting. And Amazing a, wines. And I think like, yeah. 30 years later, you kind of look back or whatever. And like, geez, there was probably something very special. <laughs> she was rambled yeah. over. French wines just are in a different league. Now, you have two brothers that's also making wine. Um, what do you guys drink at family gatherings? Yeah. <laughs> like, no. like all winemakers. No. No. no, we tend to um, pull out something older. Um, mm-hmm. Carl at Hartenberg is a member of the Cape Winemakers Guild, so he often pulls out a, a one of the Hartenberg, older Hartenberg Guild wines, and mm-hmm. then... Um, Talima, um, prior to 2007 vintage, was also a member of the guild. So Charles, every now and then, would, would supply me with a bottle of old guild wine every now and then. And uh, So it's often Shiraz, I must say, Shiraz-based um, wines. And Riesling, funny enough, there's a there's a affinity mm. to Riesling amongst winemakers. So, mm. um, I'm glad to yeah. hear that because I yeah. like Riesling as well, and I sometimes think I'm unique, but it's good to know. That other people like Riesling too. Um, tell us about your own label, your Rudy Schultz wines. We're having it right now and it's delicious, by the way. So in, I just started working at Tolima in late 2000. And um, I think the, the bug kind of bit me quite early. Because in end of 2001, I was, I was really interested in making my own little label. And mm-hmm. it was the, the plan was to make literally... 500 kilograms or a ton of, of grapes. My, my wife at the time was working for Bellevue Wine Estate for Dirky Morkel and um, tipped me off to what they were doing and, and the fantastic wines that were coming out of Bellevue, the Pinotage and the Malbec. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of that, and those amazing old vineyards were, were uh, the fruit of the wine was being sold off in bulk and ending up in you never know where. Um, oh, okay. Just a waste, really. So um, 2002, Giles. Giles Webb basically agreed that I could make some of my own wine at Thelema. So I basically sourced the fruit, bring the grapes in, just process it at Thelema. It's totally, it's very, very different terroir. So it's quite interesting if you taste the different Shirazes from, from Bellevue um, and from Thelema. They're so different. Okay. So, yeah. And it's been, since 2002, it's been Syrah all the way. Okay. 2013, I added a Cabernet Sauvignon, also from Bellevue. So it's all kind of semi-dry land, mm-hmm. old vines. And um, I've been experimenting with some uh, Malbec, Petit Bordeaux blends with Cab. Mm. And then in 2017, I dabbled with, I experimented with two vineyards of Chenin, Old okay. Vine Chenin. 
2018. Got a very, very nice one from a, an exceptionally old vineyard in Eustenburg and the Achter Helderberg okay. in Somerset West. Okay, so wow. those two, it's a multi-regional blend. They're not, so it's a Western Cape origin, but it's two old vineyards. They're such small crops that it's, I can't, um, I can't justify bottling them on their own. They, okay. it's not going to be worth it. Old vines are all the rage these days. Um, you're uh, just looking for quality and quality and and and, and, and um, you know, ultimately the ideal would be to bottle single vineyards, but. Um, you know, one one vintage, you, you know, you're literally getting a couple of bunches per vine, and yeah. you need to be able to process it. Okay. So, um, but I'm going to, I've got two good vineyards that I would like to stick with going forward. Okay, that's great. Now, um, your wines are usually very highly rated. Um, which of the wines that you've made so far got the best reviews? Well, you know, the Syrah I've been making since 2002, and that primarily goes to the U.S. market. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's a good following. It's you know the wines consistently. Well, it's never dipped under ninety points in the wine spectator in since the maiden vintage in '02. So that's that's consistent. That's nice. Um, the and then the Shannon, um, which most recently Christian Ease and the Wine Mag gave it a ninety-four points. Wow, fantastic! Um, Congratulations. And, and, and that's one of the. I agree with him on that one. I think it's a very special wine coming from two very special vineyards. Yeah. Yeah, and then the Cabernet's dinner, that 13, 20, it was the maiden vintage. That, I think, is, uh, it needs more recognition. I think it's a fantastic wine. I like your wine, so I can highly recommend it from an outsider's point of view. Um, now, worldwide and in South Africa, where can people find your wines? Yeah, this is where I'm really poor. Um, <laughs> I am um, on Instagram. No. Um, 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 Basically, the easiest way to get hold of me is is my email address at Thelima. So it's Rudy R U D I at Thelima.co.za. I mean, I've been in the process of getting a website for the last ten years, probably. <laughs> I'm still to get there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a busy man. <laughs> you you're making a lot of wine, so um, we will forgive you. Just email Rudy if you're really looking for the Rudy Schultz wines. It's a black label, right? With the, what do you have? Now? Yeah, so there's Solar. been a transition. It started off with a um, pitch black. Well, a matte black label with a silver artist impression unicorn, and um, and the unicorn comes from symbolism that appears on my wife's family, old family coat of arms. Okay. And then it's morphed. You know, recently uh, it's still that's still the label I use for certain markets, but I've most more recently switching over to what I call um, probably a midlife crisis lifestyle uh, <laughs> look, where I've got three of our iconic waves in the African continent being depicted on the three different labels. Okay, now I guess we're going to have to talk about why you have these, yeah, like you say, waves on them. It's been a lifetime kind of passion, I suppose, since um, primary school, really, the end of primary school, we would, through my father, we were introduced to the ocean. Um, we had a family beach house in Mossel Bay off the point. Okay. And uh, literally every single holiday, June, um, September and December, we would be there, and we all cut our teeth surfing out of pool, Mossel Bay, and then you know, from that, it, it, you, you travel. So we end up in Jeffreys Bay. I haven't been at the Namibian coastline yet, but that's one of the waves. Okay. Hopefully, my son will go and surf. I think I'm a bit old for that one. Uh, um, is it a big wave? Or well, is it's it a very fast wave. Fast. Okay, <laughs> so it's for young people. I didn't know waves can be for young no, and you older. Need fast <laughs> All right, so you would rather surf if you didn't have to work. Well, there wouldn't be any money in it, then you've got to be good. So, yeah, um, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's, it's balance. So, a yeah. bit of both, I think. Um, six months of surfing, six months of winemaking would okay. be prime. 
And your favorite holiday destination would then be what? There's a couple. Um, you know, we, we regularly, um, my mother-in-law stays in Jeffrey's Bay, so mm. obviously it's a dead ringer. We, and that has a good break, I hear. It does. Um, and that is the Pepper Street label. Okay, Which that's is right. my, my alternative Syrah okay. label. Um, Pepper Street is the name of the little road running to the parking area right in front of this wave. Okay. So it would be that. Um, and we've had a couple of fantastic holidays in the Khalakhadi, okay. um, Northern Cape. And to get off the grid, no cell phone reception. That's nice, yeah. And uh, buy some good columbi at um, the co-op in Uppington on the way through. Yes, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I hear you. To come back to the Thelema wines that you're currently making, I just want to tell the listeners how to get a hold of Thelema wines. Um, please go to the website www.thelema.co.za. Thank you so much for your time. You're a very hard-working man, and now I've taken some of your time. Your wine is fantastic. I hope you have a, a wonderful evening with the rest of this bottle. Great, yeah. It's not going to survive the evening, but good luck. <laughs> That's good. This episode was recorded and produced by me, Amanda Fisser. I hope you enjoyed it.